0: Welcome back to Porson Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the evil things in between. I'm your host, John, and I am, as always, joined by... Anthony! Yeah! Uh, so, uh, as we talked about at the end of last episode, we are going to be discussing some of our favorite horror movie villains. Uh, so that should be an interesting topic to kind of... Decipher and and uh, discuss more at length. But first, as always, we're going to jump into some news. News. This is it, the big TV. The All
1: right. So then, at the time of this recording, it is already released. But I think it's worth mentioning that Netflix has a new superhero type show come out called the umbrella academy yeah and that's something that we are going to be talking about so and i don't know too much about it going in i'm only two episodes in i know that you finished it mm-hmm. um but basically from what i understand it's about a group of kids that have sort of powers in a way and they're adopted by a dude and then this takes place as they're adults now. So they had like a famous childhood sort of, and now they're adults and kind of dealing with the repercussions of what their childhood was like.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting show. Uh, it's based off of a comic series by, um, Gerard way of, uh, my chemical romance fame and, uh, Gabrielle, Ba I think is the illustrator. I am not 100% on that, <laughs> but, uh, might not even be 50%, on that. <laughs> but, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. My wife and I both did. We've already cleared through it. Uh, I'm really excited to actually sit down and kind of discuss it more at length. Uh, definitely make sure that you've watched the show. If you're going to listen to that episode, you got you got a little while to get that done. But we're going to discuss all the episodes. We'll discuss it at length uh, and kind of break it apart and dissect it a little bit.
1: Yeah. So if that's something that interests you, then pop that on, watch it, and then jump into our conversation. Probably be a couple weeks. Yeah. Just to give me time to finish it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's something cool that's coming out. On, that's out on Netflix. Yeah. And from what I've watched already, the cinematography on it is fantastic. Like the show looks gorgeous. Yeah. they definitely did a, did their homework. Yeah. All right. And then you had something that you
0: want to talk about, right? Uh, yeah. So there was a trailer that was just kind of dropped at random. Uh, I saw it uh, thumbing through on some social media site. It's a movie called ma and it stars Octavia Spencer as this person who is asked by a group of kids if they'll buy alcohol for them. And she says, no, I'm not going to do it. And then they convince her to do it. And then she's like, Oh, you can just come back and party at my basement. And her basement becomes this like children's party area. But she like is like slowly integrating her way into their lives and she has all these like weird rules about the basement. And then the kids start like trying to break away and start breaking the rules a little bit. And that's when apparently shit hits the fan. Uh, the trailer looks absolutely terrifying. Uh, I'm super stoked to see it. I love Octavia Spencer. She's a fantastic actress. And it'd be really interesting to see her as a horror movie antagonist.
1: She's... Um... From the help, the one that makes the shit pie, right? She is the <laughs> one that makes the shit pie. You okay, are that's correct. That that's cool. And that's perfect because we're going to be talking about horror villains. So maybe if we ever do a future episode, then yeah, she'll she, be on one of them. Yeah,
0: she might be on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, cool. So do you have any other news?
0: Uh, not that I have off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check out that trailer and then let you guys know what I thought about it. Yeah. All right. So in that case, then we'll go ahead and move on to that trivia. Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first category, John, is going to be monster. Here we go. In signs from 2002, what is the term for the geometric shape that Hess? Sorry. What is the term for the geometric shapes the Hess family find in the field of their farm? Is it like what
0: is the term for it? Yeah. What are the shapes in cornfields called? It's a crop circle. (laughs) Yeah. That is correct. So your question is, Abby is revealed to be what type of supernatural being in Let Me In from 2010? A vampire. Uh, no, that's vampire. No, <laughs> uh, yes, it's vampire.
1: Have you seen that one? Yeah.
0: I've seen uh, the original as well. I like that. I like them both. Yeah. they're like. I mean, it's pretty much shot for shot. Yeah.
1: All right. Cool. Next category. Gore slash disturbing. Here you go. What trap in the Saw series from 2004 to 2017 appears numerous times, has a timer, and is padlocked to the jaw of a victim?
0: Are we talking about the reverse bear trap? Talking about the reverse bear trap, yes. (laughs) Didn't we talk about that last week? (laughs) Most certainly. We've talked about it on several occasions. How funny is that? Yeah. Uh, Still the worst one for me, though, is the poison and then the antidote trap in the middle that has the two, like... Oh, Oh, the razor blade? Yeah, and then she... Throws the other hand in there like an idiot. Yeah.
1: For me it was the the one where that dude's on like those wooden I don't know what you call him, and then he gets like twisted. Yeah. And twists his like ankle ah. Anyway, that movie had some good stuff. Maybe we'll do an episode about the best saw kills. Yeah, we should definitely <laughs>
0: look into that for a future episode. Uh yours is equally easy. Uh who directed Eraserhead? Uh, David Lynch. It is definitely David Lynch. <laughs> I was going to say David yeah. Fincher, like immediately. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I mean, we've had this discussion before, like that in those times where you 100% know, you should know the answer. There's a little part of your brain that's just like, don't screw this up. Don't screw it up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely David Lynch. Cool. I've never seen that. Have you seen that one? Um, I have not seen Eraser yet. watch more David Fincher movies
1: <laughs> or not. Fincher.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've seen a lot of David Fincher
0: movies. Yeah. On the internet forever.
1: <laughs> All right. Next one is going to be from the psychological category. And if I'm correct, we're two and two right now, right?
0: Yes, we are both two mm. and two.
1: Okay. For what agency does a friend of the protagonist, Chris Washington, work for in Get Out from 2017?
0: What agency? Yeah. Uh, it's the TSA. The that... motherfucking TSA. <laughs>
1: Yes, the (laughs) Transportation Security Administration, Yeah, which I never would
0: have gotten if you asked me what the initials were. (laughs) (laughs) Neither would I have, but I know it's the TSA for sure. Yeah, no, that counts. Yeah. All right. This one, I'm going to say if you get the first name correct, that's good enough for me. In It Follows, the lead character, Jamie J. Height, is played by what actress? I don't know. I'll say Allison. It's uh, Micah Monroe. Mm, Yeah, I would have got that. Dang it. You were hoping we were both going to sweep the cards, weren't
1: you? Yeah, until we get to international. (laughs) All right. Then next is going to be Paranormal. The Ring 2002 is a remake of a film from what country? It has a list of countries. Do you want them or do you want to just guess?
0: I don't imagine I need any because I'm pretty sure it's Japan. Yeah, it's Japan, yes.
1: (laughs) It was China, Korea, or Japan.
0: I mean, they kept it like in a close territory. I mean, and and if you're talking about the country that probably does horror the best, it's Korea. Yeah, do
1: they? Is there a lot of like Chinese horror movies that we get? I don't know. I and mean, I now we have the term J horror and then K horror now. Yeah, but um, C horror, chore, yeah.
0: <laughs> the chore, <laughs> the chore. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, in the Omen, what is the shape of the birthmark possessed by the Antichrist? Isn't it 666? Six, six, six? It is 666. Okay. Six. It says three sixes on the back. Oh, but okay. It's same, same pick up shit. pick up sticks. Yep.
1: <laughs> As a shout out to Bob Boucher. <laughs> All right, next category that has nothing to do with our podcast. This is going to be the killer category. What is the alias of serial killer James Gumb in The Silence of the Lambs? Is that
0: Buffalo Bill? That is Buffalo Bill. Dude, you're on fire. Yeah. I'm I'm happy about it. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh what footloose actor was also in Friday the thirteenth? Kevin
1: Bacon. Yeah, it's
0: one degree to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> or is that zero? Zero degrees to Kevin Bacon.
1: <laughs> it's Kevin and Bacon to Kevin
0: Bacon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dude, I could connect Kevin Bacon to Kevin Bacon in one move. <laughs> Alright. Here we go. Um, international who directed Satan's Rhapsody from
0: 1917 oh that's here's gonna be where the cards the cards crumble I couldn't even like I can't even think of like a 1917 director <laughs> Millard Fillmore <laughs> that's it's, a president by the way it's uh sure John it's Nino Auxilia oh all right yep all right that's a dope name yeah, I like the last name. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to tie up. I think it's going to be five, five to five. You think I'm going to get the international category? The vengeful spirit in Ju-on has what color hair? Black? Yeah. <laughs> like... What kind of question is that? You I don't see, even want it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So we tied. Yeah. That's tight. That was easily the best round we've ever had. All right, well, that's the end of trivia. <laughs> I feel like you just ended on such a sour note. That's just a weak question. It is. It's real bad. But our cards had some similarities, so that was cool. Yeah. All right, then. So dive in.
1: Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, uh, horror villains, they're cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have, like, two of them tattooed on my body at this point in time with the intention of more. <laughs> Do I technically? would you count the necronomicon as <laughs> I mean yeah I would I mean I mean cuz the evil dead aren't really the villains there Right it's whatever comes the spirit from the book or whatever Yeah
1: I didn't think about that All right so uh, how do you want to we're just
0: rattle them off Yeah I mean we, we can some talk of our favorites Yeah I mean we can talk about some of the stuff that we have kind of listed here and obviously we won't we won't keep this as structured as we normally do just because there's so many great villains to talk about um, but I'll start off with a with a low ball an easy an easy get as far as things that you know we would both definitely talk about here Freddy Krueger Oh yeah Freddy Krueger is
1: probably not only one of the best horror villains but probably just one of the best movie characters
0: yeah. of all time for me he's up there with like the universal Classic monsters, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, I mean, he, he's so ubiquitous to film. Like, if you think about horror movies, most people are gonna go to a Freddy, you know, in order to like make that connection. Just because, like I said, his face is completely recognizable, his outfit is recognizable, like more so than any other character that we'll probably talk about this whole time. Right, yeah.
1: And, uh, I recently went and watched nightmare on elm street they did a re-release in theaters and they had someone brought their kid which mm-hmm. i was like whatever that's if you want to <laughs> take your kid to a movie about nightmares that's all you but he was wearing a freddy
0: sweater yeah I was like, that's pretty cool the reasons why he's such a good villain are uh not just like because they picked a scary design you know it's it's the way that his powers are implemented like being able to get you when you sleep the one thing that everybody has to do aside from eating it's just it's terrifying like if you think if you sit there and you really ponder on it like having this guy kind of chasing you around in your dreams is is a really terrible situation right. i wouldn't wish that on anybody i already have a hard enough time sleeping as it is <laughs> i don't need anybody chasing me around in my dreams you know and what i really liked about the first one and I'm pretty sure they do it
1: in the in the rest of them, too. But they really blend the line between awake and asleep. Mm-hmm. So you think that the characters are awake and then weird shit starts happening. Yeah. And I, oh, okay, now they're sleeping. But do they know they're sleeping? Yeah. And a lot of times they don't. And that makes it really scary. And I think that's super relatable, too, because people experience that all the time. Like. I used to have dreams where I got a bunch of new clothes and I was so stoked, and I <laughs> w- wake up all pissed off. <laughs> but yeah, like along those lines, where it's that weird dream state yeah. or like, like twilight sleeping. You know what I mean? Where you don't really know if you're awake or asleep or not. And to have a character like Freddy, who is has a horrific background,
0: mm-hmm.
1: come and terrorize. <laughs>
0: Where you're already vulnerable. Yeah. It's is messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the biggest thing for me is that even you know, even in that era, there were a lot of things coming out in the slasher genre that were getting pretty tired and played out. I mean, you have great movies like Halloween, and then you have a bunch of other pretenders that don't do nearly as good a job, and something like Nightmare on Elm Street turns all of those concepts on their ear, you know, it, it provides more of a psychological terror that goes along with just like the genuine, just like terror of someone following you. It, and it wouldn't have worked as well without Robert Anglin in the driver's seat. You right. Know, he's like, I mean, if you, if you think about using Halloween as an example, again, if you think about uh, Michael Myers, who I'm sure we'll probably talk about here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you, If you take out a character that plays the shape. There's no real diminishing returns most of the time. Because there's no spoken dialogue or anything like that for the most part. For him it's more about the mask. Yeah, it's about the mask and about a presence. Right. Whereas with Robert Englund, he's on full display. You know, he, I'm sure some of the crazy lines that he came up with you know, were, you know, were improvised. I'm sure some of them were him, you know, and in being involved in, in writing and, you know, really enjoying playing that character. You know, the fact that he even, even today is technically still, still playing it in some, some variety with, you know, with that episode of the Goldberg <laughs> Mr. It, Knifey. Yeah, it, uh like I said, it's something that's super incredible. Like I said, that it's so ubiquitous with, with, you know, the horror genre with, with the 1980s, like there's like so many little things that, that point to, you know, Freddie and nightmare on Elm street being like a touchstone of a generation.
1: No, definitely. And, and part of like what you were saying to, to further go into that is he does speak. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the characters from the slashers don't like Jason and, and Mikey, they don't really have a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And Freddie is able to be scary. He has, there's some scary things that he says. Yeah. And then on top of that, later on, he becomes goofy. Yeah. But the shit that he says is, is <clears throat> funny. I mean, we had
0: a clip played, uh, you know, like a couple minutes ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's like he could, that character is so strong because not only can it provide legitimate terror, it can also provide comic relief. Yeah. It, That's, you know, I mean, you can't really say the same thing about, about Michael Myers and you, or, you know, Jason, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily even put Jason on a list like this, just because Jason is a carbon copy of other things that have happened. You know, uh, you know, if I, I mean, to move on to kind of the, to the next person on the list. I mean, if I was going to say somebody who falls into that type, you know, that archetype, you have to pick the shape, right? I mean, he, like I said, it's, there are other similar similar stories, and there's another one that I want to talk about too. And I'll, I'll obviously I'll I'll release the the mic to you for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I, and you are, and in this particular instance, you are the I've seen you know just about all of the Halloween movies, but you're probably the more so the expert in this scenario. Uh, but I feel like what's so terrifying about the shape is that it's an unstoppable force of nature can't be reasoned with. It can't be deciphered. It's just he lives to destroy things. And that's gruesome and terrifying. And like I said, even even nowadays, you know, with the one that was released last year, it's like a, you know, it there's still they still show that like he doesn't have that capability of being talked to, or you can't say, oh no, I'm on your side. I'm going to follow you. He's still going to find a way to murder you. And that's just the long and the short of it
1: yeah and I think the fact that he is exclusively or not exclusively but even like in the credits of the original, mm-hmm. he's referred to as the shape he's not called Michael Myers, yeah he, because he's just this presence, he's the embodiment almost of fear in a way, you know yeah. what I mean he just is there to be scary, and like you were saying to to wreck house, yeah you know <laughs> and I feel like that was part of what they wanted to attempt to recapture. I don't think they did it to the full extent of the mm-hmm. original with this most recent one. But I know that they had gone on record saying that the more that the franchise went along and the more backstory and explanation they gave to Mikey yeah. about him being a part of this cult, that it kind of took away from that. Yeah. you know, And still scary and – I like it. I liked H two O. Yeah. Because I feel like it kind of goes back to that where he's just like, Hey, I'm here and I'm just here to kill. I'm not there's no I'm agenda. Yeah. And he just wants to kill Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Which is cool, you know. Good for him. <laughs> but yeah, he is that he's that presence. And I know they've had different people play him and you can tell the body changes obviously. Yeah. And the masks the masks really make it. It's a great mask. Yeah. The whole like William Shatner business aside. Just that white face with those blank eyes is scary. Yeah. It's almost doll-like. And I think that that sort of plays on that idea of the uncanny valley Mm -hmm. where you get this thing, this presence that's not quite human. So it just makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, And that's... And he could have just been his face, you know. Like yeah. it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, I mean everybody I, already knew who he
0: was. Well, and having a mask like that that's just so blank and they're like you can see the features and you can understand them, but there's there's no like real presence there. Like when you look at somebody, you look in their eyes, like you can tell emotion from that. It's just this emotionless face that's coming after you. Like it's like you said about the Uncanny Valley, it's almost like a visual representation of dissonance. Like it's just like like it's unsettling, yeah. Like this, like from the first time you see it to the last time you see it, it's it's just it's creepy. It gives you the, it gives you the, the jeebs, you know. <laughs> and you don't you never know if he's in
1: pain or if he's angry or what's going on yeah. because you can't see anything. And then in the original, he does that that head turn. Yeah. After he nails or stabs the guy to the wall. Yeah. He sort of tilts his head to the side, you know. And I'm pretty sure that was all Nick Castle Mm -hmm. at that point, just improvising. Yeah. And just that is like, what is going on under that mask where he's just
0: staring at his work? Yeah. It it almost, it kind of reminds you a little bit of like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Like just how they kind of have that like, that creepy like head on a swivel kind of thing at all times. They're always like looking for things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mikey's definitely up there.
0: Yeah. There's
1: one thing I know we already moved on, but I want to talk about Freddy again real fast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that you like how he goes about killing and the idea behind him. And I, I thought that, and I don't know if, what's the consensus on Freddy versus Jason, but I thought how they handled him in that movie was done very well, where they forgot about him. So he lost all his power, mm-hmm. you know? And so they put these people into these comas so yeah. they can't think about him. And then once people start thinking about him, he's able to grow stronger and bigger. And I like that idea too. But anyway, we don't have to go back to Freddy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I definitely agree though.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. So um, let's, I mean, there's definitely some big players we could talk about. We've talked a ton about Chucky, so I don't, we don't really have to get into Chucky too much. Yeah. He's cool. He's iconic.
0: But I, I, I feel like something like Chucky doesn't necessarily exist without Freddy. Right. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I'm he's not a, saying... Yeah, a little Freddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that anything that has some, some like, notable, like, root is necessarily a bad thing. Because there's other things we'll get to on this list that diverge from from that mold. They they take a concept and they turn it into something different. Uh, I mean, like I said, there are plenty of examples and we'll dig into those as we come along them. Uh, but, like I said, Chucky is still a great villain... I mean, in the con. I mean, it it gave it took a legitimate fear that a lot of people have of dolls, I'm a and, fear that is even more popular now. And a lot of that is because of Chucky, right? You know, I, I mean, back in the day, a lot. You know, the, there are obviously crazy stories, like you know, if you're talking about like the Warrens and all that other garbage. Uh, you know that you know dolls have always had this like weird place in pop culture and and in like lore and. It's they just look. It's the Uncanny Valley. Just, things look so right. lifeless, and like there's, your mind plays tricks on you, especially in the dark. Like you know, looking up and seeing one of those lifeless China doll faces. It's just like, I, I'm not <laughs> messing with this. Turning the light on. <laughs> Speaking of that, I
1: watched an episode of that lore mm-hmm. TV show recently, and they had an episode about this famous doll and this boy. I want to say his, I want to say the doll's name was Richard. Maybe I can't remember. Uh, it's like a little sailor.
0: Yeah, there. Yeah, it's a. Um, I don't know if it's Richard, but I know I know that I know that it's a it's a famous doll. Right. Yeah, and
1: that episode was scary, dude. Yeah, I got the chills watching it. I was trying to do homework and I stopped because I was like, "What is this?" And
0: I legit got goosebumps. Yeah, I watched the first season of Lore because I I, I obviously enjoyed the podcast. I right. think Aaron Mankey is is. Uh, I I, I mean, uh, people's problems with his voice aside, (laughs) I feel like there aren't many people in the game who, who research as well as he does. Like he does his homework. And I I said, I appreciate the things that he's done for the genre of podcasts that we enjoy being a part (laughs) of now. Uh, but, uh, like I said, I loved how it was like a visual representation of his podcast in the first season. I've heard the second season completely diverges from that. um, I'm interested to see if I like it. I just haven't gotten the opportunity to sit down and do it. Right, yeah. But yeah, Dolls, I mean, and we're getting, I think, another
1: Annabelle movie, I'm sure. probably I'm sure and all be that more stuff. Annabelle. So they're popular. Um let's talk about let's talk about some of the universal classic monsters. Yeah, we could
0: definitely do that.
1: Um not a huge fan of the Gilman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen all of the Creature movies. I've just seen the first one. Yeah. But he's not very scary in any sort of way.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with you on that one. I think that as far as fear is concerned, I think that the one that brings the best scares and is probably the least like the least sympathetic as far as a character is concerned is probably Dracula.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that's what I was thinking too. I was hoping you were
0: gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just like, like I said, because Dracula is just pure evil. Like it takes the concept of a vampire that even could potentially have. So you could have some sympathy with, and turns out all of the bad parts up to 11 and gets rid of all the good parts. He really, all he wants to do is treat you as food, you know, treat you as his subject. Right. That's and, all he wants.
1: And Later on, the character became sort of charming, mm-hmm. and that's, I feel like, equally as terrifying because then he draws you in. Yeah. Like, we have the Nosferatu stuff, and he's hideous. <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> you know I mean? Nobody's so, getting charmed by that. Right, but that's terrifying in its own way, and that leads to this character of Dracula where he's able to pull you in and sort of hypnotize you yeah. to to be next to him and to let him eat you. yeah which we've seen in like some of the classic Dracula movies and the story of Dracula itself, the, uh, Stoker one, Stoker one. That's the whole thing is like, he is visiting people yeah. and slowly like seducing them in a way to let him drink from them.
0: Oh, yeah. And that, uh, a lot of that comes with, um, you know, comes from other places in lore as well. Obviously, you know, uh, when you look at where a lot of those things came from, as far as the story is concerned, things like Vlad, the impaler, Right, you know, and uh a lot of those things are also drawn from religion and like biblical things, like like they say that like the devil is very charming and he convinces you he do does things to convince you to you know go astray, you know that's similar to kind of how Dracula works, you know,
1: and I think that that's part of what makes some of these villains so iconic and so relatable is that they are grounded in something, yeah, so like Dracula has a ton of history, yeah. Because he's slightly based on a real person. You know what I mean? Or the religious aspect of it, too. And then you get people like Freddy, who was Wes Craven had nightmares about. Yeah. So that was real for him. That was grounded in something. Yeah. And then you get kind of Jason, where he just is there. He's just there to be a heavy hitter.
0: Well, I mean, I think, like I said, part of the reason why I don't know if I would put Jason on this list is because... I think that a more compelling villain from the Friday the 13th franchise is Mrs. Voorhees. Right. Like, I think that like her reasons for doing what she did, like I said, are compelling. They're interesting to watch. She's got a motivation. Yeah. And like
1: a legit motivation. Sure, she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes about it in the worst way possible. But at least we know what she's doing and why she's doing it. And it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of female villains. Yeah, for sure. So that's pretty cool too. Um, as far as the rest of the Universal ones go, Wolfman's cool. Invisible and Man doesn't do it for me too much. Um, so I feel like I, I feel like there's some value for for the Invisible Man. I'm hoping that the new one that we yeah. had mentioned takes that idea. I mean, I, I remember Hollow Man. Yeah, <laughs> with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh my God! Back to Kevin Bacon, and we're back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but obviously. You know, while I think that Dracula is the scariest villain on this list, obviously the I'm the favorite of mine. I'm sure the favorite of yours as well is Frankenstein.
1: Right? Yeah, and I know that we've been kind of focused on movies in general, but Frankenstein as a character from a literary perspective, Mm -hmm. I love. Yeah, I don't think he's been done great on film, like in comparison to that, as like a. As a translation Mm -hmm. from the book, they've made him his own thing in the movies, and I think he's probably more iconic (laughs) for that. But I love the character from the Mary Shelley story. He's very different. Mm -hmm. And equally, I think he's more scary in the book because he is smart, Mm -hmm. and so he is intentionally going and killing people to get back at his creator, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. And this one, big, scary, he's a presence mm. similar
0: to the shape and everything,
1: but he is kind of like a Mongol.
0: Yeah. Um have you seen the the Robert De Niro version? I've seen parts. Yeah. I've heard mixed things. Yeah, it's the movie itself's not great. I felt like De Niro did a, a pretty solid job though. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm a big De Niro fan, so like, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I feel like he puts in a, a solid performance, but they said the movie around him is okay. Of those movies, I think the, I think the, the Frankenstein movies are probably the most compelling to watch.
1: Right. And, you know, obviously shout outs to, to Bride of Frankenstein and yeah. another good one who was part of my childhood not from the universal perspective, but from the remake perspective was the mummy, yeah, and I thought Imhotep in the Brandon Fraser films was pretty pretty good, mm-hmm. obviously not super scary,
0: yeah, i mean it's it's more of like a like adventure with light horror elements kind right. of deal, but like I said it's as a kid that is something that you look at as you know having like that horror type element to it,
1: yeah and and when he first is awakened by the like excavating crew and he's mostly skeleton Yeah, and in that tomb. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty scary. But outside of that. Yeah. I mean, but the other ones are are good too. And I'm, I'll be interested to see if they end up remaking the mummy again Mm -hmm. to give it another horror element to it versus the Tom Cruise. Yeah.
0: I have a feeling that they will. So kind of going off of something I was saying earlier about there being Characters that do have obvious roots in other horror, you know, in the lexicon, there are a few that, like I said, that that really hold like special places. Uh, the biggest one for me, though, is Ghostface. You know, Ghostface is you know part of one of the best series in horror. Let's talk about Ghostface last. Last, <laughs> yeah, last,
1: because I'm gonna go on record now and say that he's my favorite. Okay. And I want to talk a lot about it. Okay. So,
0: so let's dial it back. We'll move away from that subject then. Um, do you want to cut these things out or No, that's I don't. Okay. Fucking. Right. I'll cut this part out. Yeah. <laughs> um, um yes. so then we'll dial it back. Um, I think another another great one that came before a lot of a lot of the slasher culture kind of took some of the genre and turned it in weird places, uh, is Leatherface. Right, uh, and he he. Some of the
1: lists that I was combing through, he's number one. Yeah, he's just as iconic as anybody else. And I feel like he's not necessarily one of people, one of the ones that people go to as part of like the main slashers. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people obviously think Freddy, Jason, Mikey. Yeah, and I'm like dude, Leatherface should be in there.
0: He was always a, he was a face before all those guys were faces. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he's scary too because he's huge yes right and he won't
0: stop there's nothing stopping him he's another one of those characters that's just a force of nature right uh but i think the biggest thing that makes him such an important villain and an important character is the kills just the way that he dispatches his enemies i mean obviously having a chainsaw is dope (laughs) but like like the like Picking people up and putting them on meat hooks and like just so many things were so inventive and chose to use, you know, things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, you know, like basically it's like, oh, hey, here's an entire like hunter's cabin full of different weapons and stuff. Do what you want. And like they made, you know, especially with the original, I'd say even like the original, you know, the first three movies, they made such terrifying, visceral movies and even the whole family in general are all super creepy, but obviously, you know, when you're talking about, you know, legitimate killers and stuff, you know, Leatherface is the is the forefront. Yeah, the origin story aside.
1: Yeah, <laughs> dash that away. Yeah. Uh, yes, and part of what makes Leatherface so intriguing too is you don't understand what his whole thought process is behind yeah. any of it. He. Sometimes is in drag. <laughs> he put like he wears people's faces. Yeah. You know, and it's like, wow, that's I mean, obviously, I think that was based off Ed Gain, right? Ed Gain, yeah. Um, but still from just that movie perspective without knowing anything behind it. But again, another thing grounded yeah. in something. That's just a weird thing to do and that movie doesn't touch on it. He just does it to do it because
0: he's nuts. Yeah. Or whatever, and he's bloodthirsty well yeah and the like, the way that they filmed it you know a lot of people thought it was real like
1: yeah it looks real yeah <laughs> that movie looks like someone shot that like handheld i guess someone did shoot it off yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i love leatherface and and i i don't like necessarily the direction that they took him in later there were some redeeming qualities about chainsaw 3d or whatever mm-hmm Parts of it where Leatherface was scary again, yeah, and he was just this force of nature. But I thought the ti- the titled Leatherface movie was not good. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. And I remember the one with Jessica Beale being all right. Mm. As far as like remakes go, it was yeah. like around that time when we were getting a bunch of them. Yeah, I felt like that movie was cool.
0: But yeah, I mean he's he's dope. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, it's one of my it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I have Leatherface tattooed on my wrist. Like I, I, you know, I love that character. And like I said, it's probably I would say probably the like the scariest character on the list. Oh yeah, I think just in, just ensure sheer, sheer brute force, and he had like I said the 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 fact that he wears people's faces is terrifying. <laughs> all right,
1: um, on a on a bit of a lighter note. I came across one and, and it really resonated with, with me. David from The Lost Boys. Mm. Kiefer Sutherland's character. Yeah. And I grew up on The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when they were still making horror movies for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I, mean, I mean,
0: which is coming back.
1: Yeah. And I'm so excited that they're making scary stuff for kids again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and we've talked about it like courage and. And Are You Afraid of the Dark Yeah, and Goosebumps. Like all this horror for kids. I mean, I guess that's probably how we got to how we are now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of those movies, too, where it was like blurred that line between, should I be watching this? Should I let my kid watch this? Yeah. What What's going on? And and I thought he was great. He's he's a vampire, so we get that Dracula feel to it. He's kind of cool. Yeah, it's more of like a theatrical approach almost. Right. It's a bit like flashy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's flashy and a little over the top. But... It was the eighties. It's it's like it perfectly encapsulates that era.
1: Right. And and for me that was probably my first exposure to when they when the fangs come out, their face changes. Yeah. And we get a lot of that from that, I feel like, until more recently, like with Buffy. Yeah. That always happened where Angel and Spike, their faces would change yeah. when they were when their fangs were out, you know, when they yeah. were getting ready to kill. And I for me that was my first experience with that and mm-hmm. their faces are pretty scary yeah definitely and they got the red yeah. eyes and they're narrowly and and it plays with that idea of like hey i'm charming come hang out with me and now i'm a monster mm-hmm. and so i really like david i have one of those little figurines out yeah. of him eating chinese food <laughs> and that's part of the thing too where we get this idea of vampires being able to manipulate sort of how you feel and how you see mm-hmm. kind of plays off Dracula seduction. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you're eating maggots or whatever. It's even in that. Yeah. We are things we do in the shadows. movie. Yeah. Was like, you're <laughs> eating worms.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah. So, I mean, I really like David. I mean,
0: I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not. No, like I said, I think he's a great character. And I think that like I said, I think just because it's, you know, just because it has the adventure element doesn't mean that there aren't horror elements there too. So I have an, I have a, a little a little section here of of Stephen King. <laughs> so there are two in particular. One of them is not going to be a controversial decision at the all. The other one I think is going to be an, an interesting and compelling discussion. Uh, so the first one, the easy one, the low, low-hanging fruit, Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes is terrifying. Like, I don't want to get hobbled. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like Kathy Bates just brought that character to life, right? And she's so terrifying. I mean, it that that performance has made her career at this point, you know. She, and that's really, I
1: mean, at least for me, the strongest part of the movie. The story's not like a home run, yeah. But it's not really about it. It's about watching Kathy Bates destroy this man.
0: Yeah, I mean, and like the whole concept of that story, like you said, it's it's not necessarily Stephen King's strongest story but it takes an all right movie and turns it into a great movie just watching this incredible performance and like i said that character like like you know if you talk about being hobbled like it like or, like if you talk about misery the first thing anybody thinks about is catching the sledgehammer to the ankles like <laughs> it's it, it's just you just watch you know a you know a person just break down as they're being you know battered and bruised and being you know being forced to do things against their will. Like it's just, it's, it's an incredible performance.
1: Right. And I mean, yeah, she knocks it out of the park and another good female horror villain. Yeah. Which I like to see. Yeah. I mean, I think Stephen King has a lot of stuff like mm-hmm. that where, I mean, I mean,
0: you can honorably mention Cujo and, and Christine <laughs> and uh gauge, but I feel like the, in my personal opinion, the strongest villain of any of the Stephen King adaptations that have been out so far is the Overlook Hotel.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so I feel like Jack Torrance is a symptom. Right. The hotel is the real villain. If you if you look at how menacing it is and how creepy everything inside the hallways, and you know, like it's just it has this supernatural quality to it. And obviously, it drives Jack Torrance crazy and he does some really crazy things. And he would be your more textbook villain. But you start off following him as the protagonist. Like, it's, you know, the story is technically about him. But the real villain, the thing that separated a family and caused them to go, like, go crazy at each other is the hotel. And, like I said, the visual style that they chose. I mean, I, I love Stanley Kubrick. But, like, the the actual visual embodiment of that hotel. It was done in such a way that was like beautiful, but also haunting and creepy. And it just has all these like different vibes and, you know, having all of like these like little manifestations and spirits and everything its just, it, it, it's incredible.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think a case can be made and I hadn't thought about it in that way, but I mean, Jack almost becomes possessed mm-hmm. by whatever spirit is inside of this hotel driving him to do that. So, I mean, I hadn't put it that way, but I, I agree with you yeah. that that makes a lot of sense because without being there and without being stuck in that hotel, that probably never would have happened to him. Yeah. He wouldn't have, have lashed out in that way. <laughs> Coincidentally, on the way home today, somebody had a picture of Jack in their garage window. Oh. <laughs> so I was driving by and I was like, whoa, He's like popping out. Yeah, just popping uh, out through the door. Here's yeah,
0: Johnny. Yeah, that's what it was. I was like,
1: "Whoa!" I don't uh, want any part of that. <laughs> Obviously, Pennywise is a character. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's again for me the strongest part of the original. It was um, Tim Curry's performance mm-hmm. as Pennywise. Didn't love that movie, and I've I don't know if I've gone on record here, but I've said it to anybody that asks about it. I don't think that the original it's very good. No,
0: um, I've, I mean. The original It suffers from being a made for TV movie. Right. That's just the long and the short of it. There's not a lot in you know, in there as far as allowing them to do the necessary things they needed to do to make it compelling. But Tim Curry is excellent to watch. Like just like if you watch like a compilation of some of his best moments from from it, like he is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and I think given more more reigns and more like more ability to you know go into the territory of like you know gore and have like you know you know some like strong language i think that would <laughs> potentially have given them a little more legs to stand on but the the new it was excellent It felt like it was like it's another one of those movies where it has those kind of adventure elements in it but the horror is in the front seat you know whereas the adventures in the back seat it has that kind of like like Lost Boys, like the Goonies, like those types of vibes, but the scares are in the front. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm really excited about chapter two.
1: Yeah. And, and as far as the original versus the remake goes, chapter two of the TV movie, I thought was terrible. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even finish it. I turned it off. And so I'm really hoping that they are able to capitalize on what they've done with the first one and make this second part of this story worth watching. Yeah. And it's got a great cast. Yeah. So I think they can do it. And it seems like they have a lot of people behind them trying to make it a good movie. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed for that. Um, Well, let's just rattle some good ones off. We don't have to dive too much into a bunch of them. And I think another one along the lines of the hotel that I came across was the, I guess just death in the Final Destination mm, franchise, yeah, right, which is and not really embodied by anything. It's just, I guess, that it later becomes more of a black shadow. Yeah, but I think that that's really cool because again, it's this unstoppable force. Yeah, you don't have anything to really wrap your mind around. You don't know what's coming until they start doing the, the more and more of the premonition stuff. Yeah, but for the most part, it's just kind of let's ruin Goldberg. Runes.
0: Yeah, a, a Rube Goldberg machine? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like one of those Rube Goldberg machines where death is just coming for you and you yeah. don't know exactly how the person's going to die. And so I think it makes for an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those movies aren't great on story. Yeah. Those movies are just about the kills. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the precursor to the Saw franchise. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so I think that's worth mentioning. Some other ones, Jigsaw. Fine, yeah, but like we don't really know who Jigsaw really is the whole time. Yeah. Oh, obviously Alien. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, Alien is Alien
0: is is legitimately terrifying.
1: Yeah, and if we ever did like a sci-fi villains episode, then mm-hmm. that would be both. But Alien is one of those crossover movies. Yeah. It's science fiction and horror, mm-hmm. and kills both of those aspects of it. But yeah, Aliens gnarly from the egg to. The, the little crab thing, yeah. The or whatever, face <laughs> yeah. Face hugger to the chest burster. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, fuck that
0: species. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just they they live to just harvest our organs and and turn into unstoppable killing machines. Similar vein uh, as far as like the crossing the bridge between you know sci-fi and horror, the thing. Right, the thing is incredible. I mean, the thing can literally be anything. It's. <laughs> Like I said, and it's another one of those things where it's its whole purpose is to survive and sustain off of you. There's no, you know, there's no like stopping or reasoning with it. It its purpose is to destroy you.
1: That's it. Yeah, it just wants to survive. Yeah, by doing whatever it can, and that's scary. And I mean, we could talk about that movie. We could do like a ten part episode on that <laughs> <laughs> That movie's great. Yeah. Um, all right. I have some other ones worth mentioning. I think Norman. Yeah, Norman Bates is definitely up there. Great, great, uh, great villain. He kind of plays with what we're talking about, where you're charming. And then there's a lot more underneath that surface where he's going to dress up like his mother and kill you. Classic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I saw a lot of lists that included Hannibal Lecter. And I don't know if I necessarily consider Hannibal to be a villain.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I, there really isn't a story where you are pitted against Hannibal. Really, I mean, aside from like the original, you know, I mean, in Silence of the Lambs, his far and away his most memorable perform, you know, most memorable like moments that he's not the villain. He's just there. He's part of the story. You know, the villain is Buffalo Bill. Right.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with that too much
0: either. He's a great character. Oh, he's he is one of the best characters right. uh, in all of cinema. And he won Hopkins won an award for eight minutes worth of work, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy. And, you know, kudos to him. But I yeah, I don't think that I would I wouldn't include him as a villain. personally. Yeah. On this list for us. There's a ton. And we could probably talk for another hour. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think
0: that we should. <laughs> yeah, I say, I say. I mean, I think we can get to, we can get to the collective here.
1: Let's yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the man of the hour. Yeah, or the
0: entity of the yeah. Hour. Well, yeah, I would say the like I said the collective of the hour.
1: Yeah. So for me, Ghostface is number one. I'm I've gone on record saying that Scream is my favorite. Yeah. You know, so maybe I am being a little bit biased, but. What I like about Ghostface is he's got the presence. Mm -hmm. It's scary. His outfit with the like screaming mask is scary. And it has those hollow eyes similar to Michael Myers. And it's got the white face and kind of this Dracula
0: like cape where he's Mm -hmm. this amalgamation of scary things. But it also has the benefit of having the like the dialogue and like the witty things similar to Freddy. Like I said, it's... You can definitely tell when West Craven has his hands on something right, because the dialogue just goes through the roof,
1: and when I was getting the clip for our new segment, mm-hmm. which is from Scream if you didn't know, I was rewatching the movie to find like a good piece to use, yeah, and the stuff he says is fucking hell scary, yeah, it's <laughs> like ah, I just he's like wh- you know which door am I at?" Yeah. It's like, dude, if I was home alone and I got a phone call like that, I mean, I don't have a landline, so whatever, but <laughs> but that shit would be scary, you know? And there's even just the beginning of that scene where he's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to know who I'm looking at. And he's like, what? And he's oh, no, I want to know who I'm talking to. He turns it on and off. Yeah. And obviously the guy that does the voice isn't the same person as who was ever under the cloth yeah or who is the actual killer but they i mean he knocked it out of the park so yeah. i love ghostface for that because he and part of like what you were saying he's a collective so obviously in the beginning we get two people and then they're very different yeah and you can see the difference in them and then in the second one you get two other people mm-hmm. who are completely different than the first two people and the series continues like that where it's different people intentionally under the cloth. You know what yeah. I mean? So Mikey's different people because
0: he has to be. Yeah, but it's still the same character. Yeah, it's still the same character. But right. like I said, you get this everybody has their own little spins and takes on Ghostface. Yeah. And each of those characters have their own interesting ways that they go about doing things, but also following such a crazy narrative. Like, the fact that it's so meta and it understands you know horror culture so well and it's able to you know basically tell you what it's going to do before it does it and then still give you the give you the goods and do it in a way that's compelling and that is in sometimes sometimes in some ways you know legitimately terrifying is awe inspiring and that's part
1: of what I like about it too is that it, you don't know if it's going to be a guy you don't know if it's going to be a girl you don't know if it's going to be a kid yeah you just don't know Who's under that mask and what their motivation is. And that to me is scary. Yeah. You know, it's just there to kill and to fuck with you, to taunt you, to try to get you to answer questions <laughs> whether or not you're gonna die. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. And I feel like that you see that in other things where like you have to play this game. Mm-hmm. We get a whole franchise about playing games. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I don't know. I just I think Ghostface is right. He's my favorite. Yeah. Like I said the, or it's my favorite. Yeah.
0: The, like you said, the design is creepy. The characters that, that are under the mask are compelling. Uh, they all have their own little flavors and little touches that they do. Uh, like I said, it's just, it's, it's a great character.
1: Right. And I feel like they, they got to use the voice stuff. Like you were mentioning where it has that kind of Freddy feel to mm-hmm. it. And he gets to say funny stuff. But at the same time, it's scary stuff. Yeah, You know? And Freddy has some scary lines, but for the most part, he says some pretty, you know, Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah. Like, he says, and at one point he dresses up like a witch, but, you know, that's, <laughs> that's
0: neither here nor there.
1: <laughs> but Ghostface...
0: stick his tongue through the, through the receiver of the yeah. phone. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, and Ghostface just... Is there to be scary, and it's the stuff he says is is funny, but it's also like messed up, yeah, and it's because the people that are under the costume are fucked up like yeah. there's something wrong with them, you know it Billy's messed up because of everything that happened with his mom, and Stus you know gives into peer pressure
0: but <laughs> well and then and you know um uh, if you go all the way to the end, uh, shoot what's her name? Roberts, yeah. What's her character's name? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Emma Roberts' <Yeah>, character, <laughs> yeah. Emma Roberts' character, like, like you know, she she's tired of living in someone else's shadow, and like, uh, the dude that she's with is just responding because he wants to sleep with her.
1: But <laughs> but it kind of plays back into the original where you get these two people, and one has a motivation, and the other one's just kind of a lackey. Yeah. But equally as good and equally as expendable mm-hmm. as Stu was, you know what I mean? I think was that a was that a Colkin?
0: That played that character? Yeah. I don't know.
1: So Emma Roberts' character is named Jill Roberts. Uh, oh my. And yeah, Rory Colkin. Yeah. Is the is her sidekick, I guess. That's a spoiler, so my bad for anybody that hasn't seen Scream 4 yet. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I could talk about Ghostface for
0: Probably another hour or two. So yeah. maybe we should just stop there. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched any of the Scream films, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're too late. Whoops. <laughs> Obviously, we missed a bunch of stuff,
1: I'm sure. And mm-hmm. like I said, we could talk about villains for another hour and just get
0: into more of them. There's so many. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we didn't talk about the uh, Cenobites. We didn't talk about... Candyman, right? Like, there's all kinds of stuff in there. I mean, there are some great horror villains out there, right? And even some that aren't supernatural in any
1: way. You know, like Norman, yeah, or like the people from House of Thousand Corpses. Like, yeah, they're just dicks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, but we'll stop there. And if there's any that you know you think that we miss, then go ahead and share them with us. Let us know. How wrong we are, or <laughs> how much you hate Ghostface, or how much you love Ghostface, or any of that stuff. We'd love to hear back from you. Yeah. All right. So, then speaking of writing in, we didn't get anyone that answered the question about our escape from New York poster, but we did get an answer to our textless My Bloody Valentine post on Instagram. So, that's going to be a shout out to Blue
0: Optimist for.
1: Answering that question. Yeah. Thank you for, for commenting. We appreciate that.
0: Yeah. We're going to keep doing those. um, Even if people don't answer, I mean, (laughs) if, if, if they don't answer, we won't talk about it, but, but yeah, if you are um, one of the people who answers one of our questions on Instagram, we will definitely shout you out in an episode. Um, Yeah. Something fun. Yes. So then
1: that's going to wrap it up for this episode next week. We're gonna do another blind episode, but I'm I'm gonna talk to John about a little thing called Nightcrawlers. I'm really excited for this one. (laughs) So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you can check us out at Porcelain Peaks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check us out on our website, that's gonna be at Porcelainpeak.com. Over there you'll find links to episodes, obviously and links to the Instagram and all that kind of good stuff. That's also going to be in our episode notes. But in addition, what you're going to find there is additional pictures that we haven't put on Instagram and videos or like when we did the Beatles episode, the song that we had talked about. Yeah. So you're going to see some extra stuff there, additional stuff too. And if you want to shoot us an email, feel free to do that. That's going to be porcelain peak at gmail.com. And, you know, as always, if you could, uh, rate, review share and subscribe then we would super appreciate it yeah and thanks for listening
0: keep it creepy a hyperforge alpha network production